0: And to those at home, I want to invite you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us today. And you might be saying, well, I was not prepared for this. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, and I don't know how we're going to do it. But I'll guide you through this. And I want to give several illustrations of where I am at this point in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. One of the things that I appreciated was back in the celebration of my anniversary in November and you did such a precious job with little thank you notes and things. And, uh, and I really appreciated, one sent me the word that says, keep the anecdotes coming. Well, I'm gonna tell you friend, when you'll soon be pastoring 54 years and preaching 56 years, I got the stories, all right? I got them. So I wanna tell you the journey that I have come in celebrating the Lord's Supper and the importance of the symbolism of the elements. I grew up in, as you are well aware, a very strict environment, not a, you know, oppressive environment, but a very by the book environment. When we celebrated the Lord's Supper in that home church, we did not use wine. Uh, I was a Baptist then, but, It had to be Welch's grape juice. Nothing else would do now. It had to be name brand Welch's grape juice. But we did use unleavened bread, and they did not have all of this prepared way back then. And so the ladies in the church, and I don't know, some of you ladies would know how it happened, but they would fix unleavened bread for the Lord's Supper. And I don't know anything about it, but I just know that before we'd go to church that day, mother would wrap that in a dish towel and beat it with a hammer. And so that was, that was what we had with the Lord's Supper uh, that day. Well, the first church that I pastored when I was 18 years old and a student at Mercer University in Macon, very small little church with 25 on Sunday, only met twice a month and never on the fifth Sunday. And I keep telling people, I've been trying to get back to that church for 54 years. And deacons will tell me every once in a while, Well, Brother Bill, we can help you get back there if you want us to. We can help you get back there. But I well remember the first Sunday we were to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I drove up from Macon from college, went in the little one-room church, no plumbing. And they were preparing the Lord's Supper, and there sitting on the table was a two-liter knee-high grape and a box of soda crackers. You know what soda crackers are? And I'm like, praise the Lord, my mom and daddy aren't here today, you know? They would not take the Lord's Supper. They would not take knee-high grape and soda crackers. Well, back last year when for a little while we felt like it was best not to meet in groups, I saw a very well-known pastor lead in the Lord's Supper from his living room for all of those that were watching. And I found it very interesting, a good old southern boy, And that is, he celebrated the Lord's Supper with a glass of sweet tea uh, and a sody cracker. Now you say, what's the purpose of this? Well I don't know. The purpose of this is, we believe strongly that these elements are symbolic. And they are symbolic of the body of Christ which was placed on that cross, and the blood of Christ which was shed. So to those at home, if you don't have exactly the elements that we have, I would, I would Pray that there you might have some fruit juice, you might have, of course, water if you prefer, and a small piece of bread, and please celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. The title, as I said again, is The Lord's Supper Past, Present, and Future. I want us first to think about the first Lord's Supper, which, of course, was a part of a centuries and centuries and centuries of the celebration of the Passover. I read the passage of Scripture. When the hour had come, He, Jesus, sat down and the twelve apostles with Him. Then He said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Which is shed for you but behold the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table and truly the son of man goes and it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing the first thought process is to reflect upon the first lord's supper approximately 2,000 years ago. And from this passage of scripture, I pray that we might be able to sense the mood around that table that day. Years ago, there was a special program uh, hosted by, I believe, Walter Cronkite, and that is of significant periods in history. And when it finished, when the program finished, it would say something like, you were there you were there well I wish we could go back and we can in our hearts and feel what Jesus felt as he gathered there to celebrate the Passover with his disciples first is that keen awareness that within hours he was going to be experiencing an ordeal like no other human being sorry to say but down through the ages a lot of people have been persecuted, they have been put to death, but none of them on top of that bore the sins of the world, except Jesus Christ and the heaviness of his heart. And so he told those disciples that I've wanted to share this with you before I suffer. And so I pray that we will be reminded of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And then to add on top of that, there is the hurt of knowing that the hand of the betrayer is at the table with him. The one who will set up the scenario by which that they can take Jesus in a private place, the garden of Gethsemane, because they know that if they take him in public, they're not going to get very far. So Judas sets that situation up. And then to further the hurt, there breaks out at that table pride and arrogance. If you will follow the passages of Scripture in the next section, the 24th verse of chapter 22, there was a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Put yourself in the place of Jesus. You know that you have come into this world to bear the sins of the world, and you know that you will bear it in a horrendous way there is a betrayer at the table there's arrogance at the table and before you leave the table you've got to tell one of the princes of the disciples Peter you will you will deny me three times you will deny me before that rooster crows and then when they get to the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is pouring out his heart If possible, let this cup pass from me, meaning that cup of suffering. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. There's the complacency of the disciples. They're sound asleep. They're sound asleep. Now, I pray that we will take some of this into our heart. This is a true, just microcosm of what's happening But I think it's a wonderful time for us to reflect upon our relationship with Jesus Christ. God forbid that we would not be complacent. God forbid that we would find ourselves in a situation where maybe not verbally but in lifestyle we would deny Him. God forbid that we would be overcome with arrogance and pride. But you say, Brother Bill, this is really a downer. No, it's not. For that first Lord's Supper ended with obedience and victory. As in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. And so he went into that suffering. And the morning of the third day, he came out victorious. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so as we reflect upon the first Lord's Supper may it be a moment for us of obedience and the victory that God has through Jesus Christ. What about now a second era and that is the present Lord's Supper where we are at this moment, at this moment in time. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 through 26 is instructing the church at Corinth how to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I find this such a wonderful, wonderful affirmation and reminder, if you need it, of the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. The apostle was not in the upper room. He was not there. He came to Christ later. But he tells them in Corinth, I am passing on to you that which was passed on to me." Somebody out of that upper room, somebody out of that early church, when the apostle gave his life to Jesus Christ, shared with him, this is how now you celebrate the Lord's Supper. He passed it on to the church at Corinth, and for 2,000 years, with the exception of a few maybe cultural elements. This is as simple as it gets. The bread which is the body of Christ and the juice which is the blood of Jesus. We are remembering a 2000 year old worship experience and what are we doing here today? The Apostle said to that church at Corinth, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim, proclaim. You do preach the Lord's death until He comes again. So seldom do I bring a devotion at the celebration of the Lord's Supper because there's that time element of passing trays and twice and we don't do that now in this environment but I want you to know that this right here is a sermon in itself that reminds us of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and he is coming again one day and then the third we've seen the first Lord's Supper and now we contemplate the present Lord's Supper the future Lord's Supper and I'm not talking three months from now when as is our tradition here we celebrate this the first Sunday of each quarter I'm talking like what Jesus said in Luke 22 verse 16 he said I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I say to you I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God That's a dynamic statement. It tells us definitely two things. Jesus is planning on coming through the next three days. Amen. He's already making plans for the next time He observes the Passover with them. But it's going to be when the kingdom of God has fully come. And that's the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Revelation chapter 19 and verse 19 says that when Christ has won the final victory, there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's gonna be a Lord's Supper. That's going to be a Passover like we cannot imagine. As all of God's redeemed down through the ages gather and sing, praises to our Lord and Savior I'm gonna be there are you I'm gonna be at that future Lord's Supper when Jews celebrate the Passover especially down through the ages they've had to struggle so to maintain a homeland starting we believe in about the 15th century when they would celebrate the Passover, when they finished it, they would say, next year in Jerusalem. Believing in their heart, next year we're going to be in Jerusalem. Well, my friends, I want to say to you, we celebrate this today, but one day in heaven. One day in heaven. We go to the Lord's table, any other of our deacons who wished us to join here on the front, you are welcome. Assisting me will be our chairman of deacons, Dr. Ricky Brantley, and our co-chair of the deacons, Brother Greg Callahan. Would you join us as we go to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper? already leading ourselves up to this moment and that is, it is the Passover which I simply reinforce is a celebration of the deliverance of the Hebrew children from 430 years of exile and bondage in Egypt. And God raising up Moses, Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And God had to demonstrate his power. And eventually it was the coming of the death angel one night that claimed the lives of the firstborn of all, except for those who had celebrated the Passover as God told them and put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost. And so that God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. It's the blood of Jesus Christ by faith to our hearts that when the judgment of God comes, he will pass over us. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so before he was sacrificed, he symbolically told them, taking that bread, which was the common loaf of bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he passed it among them. And down through the ages, we followed that example of Christ, and that is to pray God's blessings upon the symbol that represents his body. And Brother Greg Callahan prays this prayer for us. Our Father, we thank you this morning for your Son, his sacrifice on the cross. And Father, this bread this morning represents his body that was broken and bruised, a selfless act for all people, for all time. Father, we thank you this morning that because of this sacrifice that we each and every one of us may have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And our response to you this morning, Father, is that of love, love for you and love for our fellow man, a commitment to Jesus Christ and the life that he lived and a promise and a commitment to go and serve a lost and dying world. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. And we take the bread, and in a moment we share it together. As Jesus said to them, this is my body which is given for you, take and eat. In reading the scripture, we know that before the meal, Jesus passed a cup among them, and that was their beverage for the meal. But then after the meal, he passed another cup. And this became that cup of suffering. This became that cup symbolic of His shed blood. And before passing that among them, He also prayed a prayer of blessing upon it. And in that example of Christ, Dr. Ricky Brantley prays and thanks God for the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. Would you just pray with me?
1: Lord Jesus says... we prepare our hearts to receive this cup may we remember the very time the very hour when you shed your blood willingly purposely for the forgiveness of our sins my sins and father may it also in addition to being a time of remembering God, grant it to be a time of dedication, maybe even rededication, as we prepare our hearts and our soul for your coming again. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins by your shed blood. Help us, Father, to remember this day unto eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Amen. We take the cup, which symbolizes that suffering of Christ. And in a moment, we share it together. And Jesus said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Drink you all of it. And as Jesus said, I'll not eat and drink this again until the kingdom is fulfilled. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And the apostle said, for as often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We sing a hymn of invitation. I believe with all of my heart that whenever we gather in the name of Jesus, he is there and he's speaking to hearts. And if he's spoken to your heart in a way that you'd like to respond, the altar here is always open for a time of your personal prayer before the Lord. I'm here to pray with you if you would like that. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I will pray you with you right here, just me and you, that prayer of acceptance of Christ, or if you're led to become a part of this fellowship, we would welcome you. It's a very sweet, wonderful, loving church. As we stand and sing a hymn of invitation, would you come?